really looking forward to that. I know it's going to be, I, actually, I've got a sneak preview on most all the songs. And uh, it is, it, you've heard several of them here already at the church. And uh, there, you're, there's more to come. So really looking forward to that. That's something that uh, I think we get the privilege of having a worship team of dedicated musicians that not only just, I mean, it, it'd be very simple and, and easy just to, just to do songs that are current and happening. And it takes a little bit of effort to write songs based on our church and our culture. And so I just love that our team does that, is dedicated to do that. And uh, they've been working on that for months. And um, we're, we're excited that it is finally done. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be, be really, really excited on March 17th to get that album out to all of you. All right, get your phones out, everyone. Get your phones out. Everybody grab your phone. Grab your phone. Go into your contacts. We're going to add a new contact to your phone today, okay? And I'm very serious about this. I want you all to have this. This is important for you. We're going to add a new contact. The number is this. Are you ready? It's 888-970-3961. 888-970-3961. And the person that is, that is the Elevate Prayer Hotline. The Elevate Prayer Hotline. And so we want you all to have that contact in your phone because if you ever have a prayer request, and oftentimes you have a prayer request and you, you, you need someone to pray with you and you're trying to find a way uh, to let people know, well, this is how you let a whole team of prayer warriors at our church know immediately what your request is so that we can get a whole team of people praying for you and actually uh, c- corresponding back and forth with you. And so if you text your prayer request to that number, not only will the team receive that prayer request, but they will also reach out to you uh, to, to, to pray right with you. And so uh, if that's something that, that, that you need, it's available, all right? And going along with that, we have a prayer team that is being established here at the church. There's several team members that have been a part of this for, for quite a while. We're taking it to the next level. And so today, there's going to be a special meeting. If you're interested in being on the prayer team and being one of the people that gets these messages so that you can begin to intercede and pray, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a team meeting today right after the service in the office. April is going to be leading that. And so if that's something that interests you, we'd love for you to be a part of that. We want to grow our prayer team. We believe prayer works. Come on, we're going to pray until something happens. That's what we're going to do. And so um, if that interests you, we'd love to grow that team um, with everyone that would like to be a part of that. It's right after the service this morning, very short meeting, right across the street, kind of get all the info to you, the prayer hotline. I just want to introduce myself. My name is Adam Friedrich. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Ministries. Some of you may not know that because I haven't spoken for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Last week, we heard from my son, Drew, who just gave a tremendous message. How many enjoyed that message last week? Amen. The the week before that, my wife spoke, and uh, so I haven't been up here for a while. So I just want to remind you that my name is Adam Friedrich. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate, and uh, our mission at this church is to change our world one person at a time. And the way that we do that is our vision is to reach one and to teach one and to unleash one into their destiny in Christ. And, and so here's what that means. That means that our church, our main function isn't to put a nice little service on for you on Sunday mornings so that you can attend once a week. That's, that's not our role. What we're trying to do as a church is to help you get out what God's put in your heart. 
We want to help you get, get out what God's placed in you because we believe that his purpose lies within his people. Amen. And that's why he's given us all different personalities. He's given us all different passions and preferences. He's given us different giftings. He's put uniqueness in us. And I want to tell you today, that's not random. That's not by accident. It's actually God's design, his plan, and his strategy to bring us all of our uniqueness together, and that forms what is known as the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it's many parts but one body it's all of us different parts doing different things but we come together as the body of christ and so here at elevate we are passionate about getting you connected helping you get connected and one of the ways that we do that is through something we call e-connect 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 so if you've been coming to our church for a few weeks or you've been coming for a few months or maybe even longer than that if elevate you consider to be your home church then make it official by going through e-connect and when you go through e-connect what will happen is we'll digitally digitally give you a few videos for, for you to, to watch online and then you'll take a couple online assessments and then you'll meet with a member from our staff and our goal at the end of this very easy process is to help you get connected to God get connected to his people and connected to your purpose that is a win 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 all right that's what we want for you and and it's so important I'm gonna tell you something you'll never regret inserting yourself in the plan of God it's the best thing that you could ever do amen so eConnect is there for you also want to remind you that next Sunday is connect Sunday you're saying what's connect Sunday well spring e-groups are right around the corner aren't you grateful that spring is right around the corner and spring is when we launch our e-groups. E-groups, what are they? They're small groups that meet all around the county, different locations, different times, different days. And, and what they are is small groups that provide a chance for you to connect with people that might have similar interests to you, that might have a different, maybe, maybe a similar walk of life or maybe similar free time that you have. And, and so next week, you'll be able to learn who our different e-group leaders are and, and what their e-groups are going to be about there's going to be e-groups for, for for married couples there are going to be e-groups for women there's going to be e-groups for men there's going to be virtual e-groups there's going to be there's going to be in-person e-groups there's going to be some that happen every week some that happen once a month there's going to be all kinds of of different e-groups matter of fact pastor carl and myself and our team are going to put together a an e-group for those who desire to preach so we can talk to you about preaching a little bit so so we're, we're believing we're going to have a whole a whole arsenal of preachers that emerge from it from our e-group amen so that starts our, our connect sunday is is next sunday also coming up our is our conference and you guys have heard a lot about it our run with it conference where we're going to give jesus the weekend that that kicks off just an amazing season for us but march 17th through the 19th is the run with it conference it is going to be a transformative weekend for you it's going to be a transformative weekend for me and for our church and that's why we say give jesus the weekend this this week we had the opportunity uh, to get together with rex crane who's one of our one of our guest speakers and i want to tell you something there's a special grace on this man's life he began to tell us stories about the different opportunities that god's given him around the country to speak to different 
different, uh, um, uh, different kinds of people different, from different backgrounds and different walks of life. And, and, and the miracles and the prophetic words that are on his life are just, it's astounding. It really is. Matter of fact, right here in, the, in, in Orange County, in the city of Orange, in our Orange Unified School District, there was a, a teacher whose husband had stage four cancer on his deathbed, and one of the guys knows Rex Crane, works at the, unit, at, at the school district, invited Rex to come pray. He prays over this man who literally was, was sent home on hospice care, and today he's in total remission because of the miracle-working power of God. I'm believing God's gonna do some of that at our conference. How many believe that? I believe God wants to do some of that at our conference. I'm excited about it. And so I want you to, if you can, right now, make a commitment. Right now, I'm, I'm not letting anything stop me from being, being at the Run With It conference. It's going to be a great, great time. Give Jesus the weekend. The week after our conference is our Heart for the House Big Give Miracle Offering that every year, it's our annual way that we fund the vision of our church in this next season. And I want to tell you something, it's something so special. Last week we talked a little bit about it. We said that we're going to pray, we're going to plan, we're going to talk, and we're going to give. That's, that's our direction as, as we prepare for this, this offering. And, and this morning I want to tell you something, it's going to take each and every one of us, the reason we ask you to pray is because when you pray, God will speak to you. Did you hear that? I said, when you pray, God will speak to you. I talked to Gabe this week and asked him if, if permission if I could share this story. But last year, uh, Gabe and his wife Gwen, they'd just gotten married. Just starting out as a young couple and, uh, and, 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 and comes along our Heart for the House missions offering. And uh, they're, they're both trying to figure out where they're gonna live, what their careers are gonna be, all these different things. And at the same time, they knew that they had a sum of money that was coming uh, as a result of, I think, some sort of insurance type thing. Something was, something was going on, in, in, and they were looking forward to that money. And they, were looking, they had plans of how they were going to spend it and all the different things. And Gabriel said that he was challenged to pray and ask God what his part would be in the heart for the house uh, offering. And God told him to give it. And we're talking multiple thousands of dollars. It's a very large offering, and it required radical obedience. And here's the thing, sometimes God will ask you to do something that sounds ridiculous. But anytime God asks you to do something ridiculous, it's always so that he can provide the miraculous. God wants to do something with our obedience. And so I'm gonna challenge every person in this room. I want you to pray and ask, God's never gonna tell you something to do that's gonna hurt you. He only wants to bless you. And so I'm not, we're not telling you what to do. We're just asking you to pray and ask God what he would have you to do. And I believe God will speak to us. I believe he'll challenge us, and he'll meet the need that we, he knows that we have. And we're going to put it in his hands, and we're going to trust that God's people, even if it requires radical obedience, we're going to do it. Ain't that right, Gabriel? We're going to do what God says. And when we do what God says, we'll see God's results. Amen? How many believe that? Following our Heart for the House offering, we begin what we know, what we call as Passion Week. And it's going to be 13 days of passion leading up to Easter Sunday. And we're going to provide everyone on that Sunday a, an evangelism pack that's going to help you evangelize to, your, to all of your friends in real time, on social media, in your neighborhood, and your family members. We're going to provide you a checklist of 13 days where we as a church are going to evangelize our community and, and our influence. And we're believing that, that through that, we're going to see many people come on Easter Sunday, April 9th, and give their life to Christ. We're, we're asking God for salvation to spring up from the ground. 
That's what we're saying. Just like Jesus rose from the dead, we're believing salvation is gonna spring up from the ground in our community. We're gonna see revival take place. Many come to know Jesus. How many would believe God with me for that? Shout amen. Amen. Man, I haven't started preaching yet. All right, praise the Lord. And we're going to get into our, our message here today. And this, this, the next series that we're a part of, we're going to be talking about uh, who we are as a church and, and what we're a part of as a church as we kind of lean into our conference that's coming up right around the corner. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is our priority. You know, 36 years ago, or excuse me, 38 years ago, Pastor Carl and, and Sister Bonnie, my parents, made the decision to sell their businesses, to sell their properties, to sell their home, move from Kingman, Arizona, here to Southern California to, to start a brand new church. They had a vision that they believed that, that with Christ at the center and with the vision they had that they felt like they could begin something that could impact the world. Now, I'll be honest with you, this wasn't an ordinary church plant. This isn't like there was no, there was no um, backing of a large organization. There was actually no funds that were helping us do that. There was no congregation waiting. There was no church building available. It was just the three of us and our stuff packed in a rider truck moving across the state. And, and what's amazing is, is when we opened the church, we had nothing to offer, but people still came. It was wild. Like we had no Sunday school. We had, we had no programs. We, we literally had just this small little building and some metal chairs. And, and, and all of a sudden, people began to show up and lives were being changed. Right in front of our eyes, we were seeing broken marriages restored, uh, people with drug addictions uh, being broken. We saw families put back together, and, and you kind of sit back and wonder, well, how did this happen? Well, it didn't happen because of any sort of slick marketing campaign. It didn't, it didn't happen because, because we had some sort of like, like, like leg up on how to, how to plant a church. It happened because we had a mission that we were going to change our world one person at a time. And so we would go out into the streets, and our, our strategy was if we could just win one, then we can build one, and then we can release them to get out what God's put in their heart. And we just began to do that one person at a time. We, we began to reach people for Christ. We began to teach them what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then we began to re- unleash them to, 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 to step into their destiny as a follower of Christ. And what began to form was amazing. Because, I mean, you had all these people, like, with crazy different backgrounds. You had, you had my parents who were, like, you know, a farm boy from Ohio. My mom was, like, like a, a cheerleader from, from, from Cleveland. And they're moving cross-country and, and, starting a, uh, and starting businesses in Arizona, just this little tiny hick town. Along came me, and I've got these, like, massive glasses and just a total nerd moving to Southern California. I mean, looking at us, it wouldn't be something you'd say, man, I really want to plant myself under this family's ministry. But what happened is, is we had people come in, gang members coming in, giving their life to Christ, Um, car thieves coming in, prostitutes coming in, giving giving their life to Christ. And what began to form was, was a family. It was a family of people that never really would have fit together in any other way other than the church of Jesus Christ. And as this family began to form, out of that family formed values. Because every family has values. We all have a culture that we live by in our own homes. 
Some of that culture we adopted from our family, from our parents, from our grandparents, the way of life that we have. But as a church, we, we began to establish that same type of culture, a belief system, rules that we played by, the tracks that kept our train moving forward. They were, they were just belief, a structure that we had. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the certain things that we valued kind of came to the forefront. Now, at the time, we didn't have those values listed like we do today in the foyer. We didn't have any slick words. We didn't have any videos about it. We, it was just a belief. It was kind of an unspoken thing that just began to be part of our, of, of our community. And they, what they were, were, they were fundamental beliefs that we began to guide our decisions as a church by. And these beliefs were important to us. They were, they were valuable to us. We found that those beliefs were the motivation behind everything that God had called us to do. It drove our ministry forward. It became the values of our church. And here's the thing about values. Values always will trump circumstances. It's what you're going to find. You'll see this all throughout the Bible. You'll, you'll find this in Scripture. You take, for example, Daniel. You read about the book of Daniel where, where, where Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar attacks Jerusalem and takes everything from all of God's people and everything from, from Jerusalem takes it all captive, including Daniel and his buddies Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and I'm, you, can, you can imagine, if you're one of those young men, this is less than stellar circumstances. This, this isn't really what, what, we, what we signed up for, but they had a certain set of values and beliefs that they lived by regardless of what was going on around them. Are you with me? And so here's, here's God in the middle of these dire circumstances, God raises these young men up into leadership amongst all of Babylon. And God raises them into prominence. And they succeeded so much that they actually caught the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar. How in the world could these slave boys catch the attention of a demonic, barbaric king? that was out to destroy God's people. How is that possible? I'll tell you how, it was their culture. It, it's something that they lived by that set them apart from everyone else. And so regardless, what was what, regardless of what was happening around them, what they believed stood. It, it didn't change, it defined them. It held them to a culture. There were certain behaviors they wouldn't deviate from. And it was because of those things that God blessed them and he promoted them. Think about the different things, that were the values that they had. Think about Daniel and his diet restrictions. He had the opportunity to eat the king's table, whatever the king was serving. But it went against his belief. It went against his culture. And he said, those things I will not touch. I'm not going to partake in that. And yet God was still able to sustain him and allow him to become stronger than all of the other ones. It was their devotion to God that caused them to say, you know what? I will not bow. When everyone's saying you must bow before the king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, there's no way. That goes against my belief. That goes against my values. We will not bow. It was Daniel's commitment to prayer. It was his culture to pray every morning and every evening out in the open in the public square for all to see. And then an edict went out and they said, you can't do that anymore. 
You can only pray to Nebuchadnezzar. He's the only one that you can pray to. And Daniel said, the heck with that. That goes against my culture. That goes against my values, my beliefs. He swung open the window and prayed in order for all of them to see. And it was those values that accelerated these men's lives and made miracles possible. Come on, are you with me today? It was those behaviors that allowed God to use these men to fulfill their destiny. And we believe it's that, that same thing holds true here at Elevate, that our behaviors, the rules we live by, the track that keeps the train moving forward, these are the things that God will use to shape our church and lead us where he's taking us. So at Elevate, we have 10 stated values. We place them in four distinct categories. And today, we're gonna to talk about two of our values in our first category, which is our priority. Somebody say our priority. Our priority is that Jesus is front and center. Jesus is front and center. That describes what we do. That describes who we are. And, and we say it like this. We say a moment spent with Jesus provides a lifetime of change. How many would agree with that value today? Jesus is front and center. A moment spent with Jesus provides a lifetime of change. And here's the truth. We see this all throughout scripture. Whenever you read about people interacting with Jesus, you see that when they when, they, when, when Jesus touched someone, they were never the same. It didn't matter if they were a fisherman. It didn't matter if they were a tax collector. They could have been a prostitute or a young child. It could have been a beggar or a rich centurion. Regardless of who you are or what your background is, if Jesus touches you, you're never the same. Can I hear somebody say amen? So our priority is Jesus front and center and God's word as our blueprint. So not only is Jesus front and center, but we, we value the word of God and we declare it's our blueprint. It's a light unto our path. It's a lamp in the night. It helps us navigate our way. It has all of the answers to all of life's questions found in it. It's in the word of God. And if it's true that our life is made up, is the sum of all of our decisions, if it's true that poor choices punish us, and wise choices reward us, if that's true, well then I wanna make well-informed decisions. Matthew 7, Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And so circumstances changed, like the rain came, the, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had a foundation of the rock. Listen, only Jesus could make a statement like that. Jesus Christ, who was the word that became flesh, only Jesus would declare that his words are wisdom in motion. That's what he just said. And that word, when we apply the word of God into our life, it brings us into victory and blessing. And so here at Elevate Ministries, we are building our lives, we are building this church upon the word of God. It is our blueprint. We go to it for every question that we have. That's why the first thing I do every day is spend time in God's word. That's why we promote things like the Bible reading plan, because we've heard that the most productive hour is the very first hour. So guess what? If that's the most productive hour, why not give 
give it to God because he multiplies it. He makes it greater. And if that's true, I want to spend it with him. The Bible is our blueprint. And so today what I want to do is I want to show you a story from the word of God that I believe kind of illustrates both of these values. It's found in Luke chapter 17. And the Bible says this. It says, now it happened. And I want to stop right there because a lot of times people think that the Bible is outdated, that it's for yesterday, but it just says right there that now it happened. That means it's a now thing. How many, how many believe the Bible? I believe the Bible is a now book. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it could have happened way back then, but it applies to my life right now. It's a now book, all right? Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then he entered a certain village, and ten men met him who were lepers, and they stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, weren't there ten that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were not any, uh, any found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Somebody say whole. Your faith has made you whole. All right. So we spend, if you're part of the Bible reading plan, you, you recognize, and I'm sure you lament certain times of the year, because certain times of the year mean certain books of the year, all right? And so many of us uh, would recognize here at the beginning of the year, we're starting to go through the book of Leviticus. And, and in Leviticus, what we learn is a lot of blood was shed back then. There was a lot of dead animals all over the place, stuff like that. And, and, and one of the things that we learn and, and, and we, we see in Leviticus is the priest talks about this, this pandemic of, of their time known as leprosy. Now, we wouldn't understand how, how horrible this disease is before 2020. But I think with 2020 as our background, we get a little bit of an idea of what it meant to actually get leprosy. And, and so what would happen is in Leviticus, we learn that people, if they had some sort of skin ailment, they would be instructed to go to the priest. And this would be like a, a, a very scary thing to do because you're going to present your sore or your ailment to the priest, and the priest is going to determine by looking at it and examining it, it's, he's going to determine whether or not that is actually, you know, the pox or if you actually have leprosy. So you may have some like little, little blister or something that, 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 that will heal in a few days, but the priest would determine whether or not that's leprosy. The problem is if, you are, if it's determined that you have leprosy, that means that you are going to be excommunicated from the community because it's a very, very contagious disease. So that would mean that you, you are not able to see anyone that you love. You're not able to talk to anyone you love. You're not able to go to the temple and worship. You're not able to fellowship. You're basically sentenced to a life of isolation and exclusion, divorced from society until leprosy leaves you. Some of us would understand what that looks like if we think about COVID-19, all right. But leprosy at this time was a, a disease that was easy to contract and almost impossible to get rid of so if the priest determined you had leprosy it was really it was a life sentence this is something you're gonna have to deal with and 
And when we look at the Bible, when we talk about leprosy, we don't deal with that physical uh, infirmity any longer, but leprosy is a picture of sin. It's, it's an example of sin, just like leprosy would separate the leper from, from community, just like leprosy would isolate an individual and, 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 and separate them from their family, divorce them from society, our sin separates us from God. Are you with me today? Sin separates us from heaven. It separates us from fellowship with God. So in the story, something really powerful happens because you know, the Old Testament, the Old Testament is, is about us trying to cleanse ourselves. Like when you read the Old Testament, you, you're looking at God's people, and they're just doing everything they can to live a right life, to, to follow all the rules, trying to obey all the commandments, only to find out it's not possible. In the Old Testament, there's 613 different law requirements, and no matter how hard any individual would try, we all fall short. Are you with me today? So in our story, here's these men. They're cast off from society. They're separated. They've fallen short. And now they're coming. They have no hope, but they come to Jesus. They're running to Jesus. And here's the thing, and this is where it lines up with our value, is that a moment spent with Jesus provides a lifetime of change. Whenever you encounter Jesus, you're never the same. You're never the same. Old things pass away. All things become new. And so here's these 10 men, these 10 lepers. They come to Jesus one way and they leave another. We believe that one encounter with Jesus will change your life forever. Jesus is front and center. Jesus is front and center. So in everything that we do and all that happens around this church, you're going to notice that Jesus takes center stage. It's never going to be a pastor. It's not going to be a ministry. It's not going to be any form of talent. It's only going to be Jesus. Because when Jesus is here in the building, anything can happen. Are you with me today? John 12 says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. We're not trying to lift up any man, any person, any type of ministry. We're trying to lift up the name of Jesus because we know that's where the power is. And so our primary focus at Elevate Ministries, help me out here this morning, is to lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. The Bible describes Jesus in so many ways. He's the almighty God. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's our, our, our hope and our peace. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. He's the resurrection. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Come on. Jesus is everything. And to me, he's even more than that. He's my comfort. He's my prosperity. He's my wisdom. He's my defense. He's my offense. Come on. He's He's my peace. He's my strength. He's everything to me. Jesus plus, plus, plus nothing equals everything. Somebody shout amen. Anything can happen when he's present. Jesus said this, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and, and they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And look what he says next, and I will do whatever you ask. Is that where he ends the sentence? That's not where he ends it, is it? He says, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. There's something about the name of Jesus, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Look what it says next. You may ask me for anything 
in my name, look at it says, and I will do it. There's something about the name of Jesus. The key to our mission is Jesus. The key to actively participating in the vision of this house is Jesus. And so in our stories, these 10 lepers have an encounter with Jesus. And I love it because their lives would never be the same from that moment. So here they come, they come, they encounter Christ, and then the very next thing that happens is that Jesus speaks to them. And look what he says in verse 14. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. And so these, these lepers encounter Jesus, and then the very first thing that Jesus does is he introduces them to the word of God. When you encounter Jesus, and when you encounter God, you can, you can, there'll be a guarantee on this, he will speak to you. When Jesus opened his mouth and spoke to these 10 lepers, they didn't know it at the time, but they were hearing the word of God. When Jesus said, I want you to go and show yourself to the priest, little did they know that that word wasn't just an ordinary sentence out of an ordinary man's mouth. That was a word that if they obeyed it, it would bring healing, it would bring cleansing, that as they applied the word, as they, as they stepped out and obeyed that word, that, that it would change their life. And that's why here at Elevate Ministries, the word of God is our blueprint. Did you hear that today? God's word is our blueprint. We're building our lives on the truth of God's word. Now the truth is, if we were standing there that day, and we saw this whole encounter happen, and we, we watched these 10 lepers, we would probably have kept our distance because we wouldn't have wanted to catch that disease. Some of you would have grabbed for your mask, and you would have put it on, or whatever the case may be, trying to protect ourselves from this, this deadly disease. But when, when, when we would have been watching it, we would have seen Jesus speak to them, and it wouldn't look necessarily like anything happened. Like, it wouldn't have just, we wouldn't have looked at this little interaction and go, whoa, that was just an amazing thing. Look at their lives. They're, they're totally changed. Now, I believe that those men, when they encountered Jesus, something changed on the inside. Something happened on the inside. But most people that would be observing that, they wouldn't be able to tell at first. But gratefully, we serve a God, Jesus, loves us so much, he doesn't leave us where, where he finds us. Aren't you glad you're not the same person you were when you found Jesus? Like some of us, we found Jesus, our marriages were messed up, or we were broke, we were busted, nobody liked us, nobody would hire us. How many remember those days? You came to Jesus, I mean, a lot of times people saw you give your life to Christ and they're thinking, hope it's real, right? Hope they meant it. That's probably what most people were thinking because we came to Christ where we were pretty messed up. It's the same with these lepers. They had an interaction with Christ, but really no one would, would have probably been able to notice it. But something happened on the inside, and, and God loves us. Jesus loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us the way he finds us. And so what does he do? He gives them his word. He looks at these ten lepers, and he says, go, show yourself to the priests. And I'm sure at the time, these guys were probably thinking, why would I do that? Like, you're asking me to go to the guy who, who announced judgment on my life. Like the priest is the guy who told me I couldn't go home that night. The priest was the guy that said I could no longer go to church, that I, that I was an outcast, and I was, I, was, I was to be divorced from society, and now God, Jesus, you're asked, why would I do that? 
Why would I suffer through that type of rejection? Why would I go back to that priest who's already deemed me unclean? But there's something about the word of God that when you, when you obey what it says, it has transformative power. And our text tells us, the Bible says that as they went, as they did what Jesus said, as they applied the blueprint of God's word to their life, they were cleansed. They made the decision that I'm just going to obey what God says. And I'm going to tell you something, Jesus does the same with us. So many lives I've seen over and over and over again, examples of lives that have been changed, not instantaneously, not, not just, oh my gosh, I, the, the transformative power that took place at the altar. No, no, no. A lot of times you don't see that first, at, at first glance, the first minute someone gets saved, but there's a miracle that happens inside that gives us the faith to trust and obey the word of God. And as we do that, our lives are transformed. I've seen people say, you know what? I went to church and it changed my life. We went to Elevate Nights with a bunch of radical teenagers and I've never been the same. I joined an e-group and got involved in community and, and created friendships that have lasted my life. It changed my life. I went to a marriage e-group and it saved our marriage. Sometimes God does the transformation just through obedience, just by you stepping out and obeying God's word. Amen. You'll find that 90% of the victory is just simply showing up. So I want to challenge you, Sunday mornings, don't have an excuse. Just show up. Be in the house of God. Midweek service is an opportunity for you to get in the word of God. Just show up. Elevate nights. Don't find something else to do, young people. Get to the house of the Lord. Let God rock your world. As these lepers went, their lives were cleansed. They were healed. They were transformed. They were de delivered. They were transformed as they went. There's power in just showing up. Somebody shout amen. I want you to notice that this miracle of the 10 lepers is really identical to Jesus' first miracle. And I think we would know what that is, right? Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. And, and we know that the story that, that Jesus shows up. He hasn't even really started in his public ministry. And he shows up to this wedding, and somehow his mom is feeling responsible for it. And halfway through the whole thing, they run out of wine. And so Mary, she knows that that Jesus has got some sort of power, and he's probably the only person there that could do anything about it. She runs to Jesus and says, Jesus, they have no wine. They have no wine. I'm sure Jesus is thinking, well, that's not my problem. Like, I'm not in charge of this wedding. What do you want, what do you want me to do about it? But the Bible says that Jesus looks at the servants, and he looks and he sees a bunch of water pots that were used for ceremonial hand washing, and he says, I want you to go and, and draw water from those wash basins and go give it to the master of the feast. And you can just kind of imagine these servants are probably thinking, who's this guy? I mean, Jesus hasn't started his public ministry. He has not done any miracles yet. And they're probably thinking, who's this guy? He's, what does he want me to do, get punched in the face? Like, he wants me to get fired? He wants me to take dirty hand-washing hand water and, and serve it to my boss? Like, like, why in the world would I do that? I mean, I mean, I mean that, that's crazy. But there was something supernatural that was happening when they obeyed the word of God. 
They didn't know that Jesus was God. But when they obeyed what he said, when they obeyed the word of God, when they dipped into that wash pot and began to, as they went to the master of the feast, all of a sudden that water was transformed into the best wine, the finest of wine. And it happened, what? As they went. As they went. You know, the Bible teaches us that the word of God is is like a seed, It's like a seed. Jesus told the story in Matthew chapter 13 about a man who went out to sow some seed. And we know that as he's sowing seed, some fell on on, 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 by the wayside. Some fell on stony ground. Some, Some fell amongst the thorns, but some fell on good soil. And what did it reap? 30, 60, even 100 fold. And and then Jesus begins to explain this parable. He begins to talk about this story. And he's describing and he's saying, look, the sower... The sower of this seed is the the son of God. In other words, the sower of the seed is me. And then he says, the seed is the word of God, which also is me. And so Jesus stars in both roles. He is the sower of the word of God, and he is the word of God. He is the son of man, he's the sower, and he's also the word of God, which is the seed. And so it's interesting that our priority is Jesus and his word, which happens to be two of the exact same thing. Isn't that amazing? And here's the thing about a seed that you need to grab a hold of, and I think you'd understand, every seed has power. And the power in a seed is to produce life. And so if I take an orange seed and I put it in the ground and I water it and I take care of it, what's going to sprout from the ground is an orange tree. And that orange tree is going to have the power to multiply because it's going to produce more oranges with more seeds. And if I just multiply that seed, seed sowing, I'll, before long I won't just have one orange tree, I'll have an orchard of them. That's, that's how the word of God, one seed has the power to transform. God's word has the power to transform. It's got the the power. What's interesting is that Jesus' word to these lepers actually sends them back. It almost seems like they're going in the wrong direction. He said, I want you to go back to the the priest. I want you to go back to the the guy who excommunicated you. I I want you to go back to that place of judgment. I I want you to go back to that place of separation, that place of pain, that place of disappointment. And I think that's kind of indicative of the word of God because sometimes God's word will come to you and it causes you to go back. Has that ever happened before? Where you come and God begins to speak to you. Maybe you're reading God's word or you're in a service listening to God's word. And all of a sudden, you know there's something you need to do. And it's something you don't want to do. Is anybody here today or is it just, I'm just me in the building just having fun with myself. Like, come on. Has anybody ever heard from God and God's asking you to do something? You're like, you need to go apologize. Apologize? Why? Why why should you need to forgive that person for what they did to you? Forgive? Why would I you do you know what that person did to me? You you need to go and repay what what what, what you took. But they don't even know I took it. Why would why would you want me to do that? A lot of times what God's word will do will cause you to go back. But I want to challenge you that every time sometimes what God tells you to do is painful. 
it hurts a little bit. It, it's a little bit uncomfortable. It doesn't seem like, like, like the right thing to do. But I want to tell you something. When you apply God's word, these 10 lepers, the Bible says, as they went, he said, I want you to go to that place of pain, go to that place of judgment, and show yourself to the priest. And let me tell you something. When you apply the word of God with your obedience, when you obey God's word, you'll see transformation in your life. Somebody say amen. So these men, they go and they show themselves to the priest. And the Bible says that as they went, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Look what happens next in verse 15. The Bible says that when one of them saw that he, he was healed, he returned with a loud voice and he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were not any found who returned to give glory to God except for you? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some, some translations say whole. Come on, let's say whole. I want to use that word. Your faith has made you whole. Now, I want to look at this, this a little bit because I want to show you something. There's a couple things that, that really stand out. The first thing is this. Only one came back, which always bugged me a little bit about this story. Only one came back. And I think Jesus was pretty surprised, too, because he knew the other ten were healed. The other nine were healed. And, and what's interesting is the guy that came back wasn't a Jewish guy who would understand who Jesus was. He was a foreigner, so a Samaritan comes back. So Jesus is like, why is this guy grateful? Why was he the only one? But I think, I think it's interesting that only one of the ten came back. Now, how many would know that, that, that one out of ten is a tenth? A tenth is a tithe. If you ever wonder what a tithe is, a tithe is ten percent. And so it kind of goes to show us that a tithe always returns to the Lord. Did you hear that? The reason a tithe returns to the Lord is because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. There's just something about the tithe. And I'm trying to explain it to you like this. Before Christ, 100% of your income was working against the curse. And here's, here's, here's how you need to understand that. When, when man sinned, God didn't curse man. Why didn't God curse man? It would seem like Adam sinned, well, Adam should be cursed. That's not what happened. And the reason is because God had already blessed man. He said, I'm, I bless you, be fruitful and multiply. And so he couldn't bless something that he'd already cursed. And so instead of cursing Adam, what we read in Genesis is that God says, cursed is the ground for your sake. Out of it you came and out of it you shall return. All the days of, their, of your life there will be toil and struggle. From the sweat of your brow and from the toil of your labor, the earth will yield to you its increase, but you're going to have to deal with thorns and thistles. In other words, you're going to have to work hard to get ahead. Does anybody know that to be true? Like, like, like toil and struggle. Does that define any of our workplaces at all? Trying to make ends meet, trying to pay our bills, trying to do all that stuff. In other words, because of sin, the fall of man, our, our work lives, the ground that's going to yield its increase to us is cursed. There's going to be difficulty and challenge. A hundred percent of your income is working against the curse. It's working against weeds and corrosion and rust and theft. Are you with me today? Does anybody agree with that? But the Bible says that it's different for God's, God's people. 
that instead we bring a tenth to God, that the tithe belongs to God, and instead of having 100% that's working against the curse, by bringing the tenth to God, our 90% is actually redeemed from the curse and is blessed by God. I don't know about you, I'd rather have 90% blessed by God than 100% under the curse. Are, are, you, are, you, are you with me today? Come on, anybody, anybody here? That's why everyone I know that tithes can afford to. And everyone that doesn't tithe can't afford to. And you would say, well, yeah, that's, you're right. That's why I don't tithe is because I can't afford to. Yeah, everyone that tithes can afford to. Everyone that doesn't tithe can't afford to. Yeah, I know, Pastor Adam, that's why I never tithe. I can't afford to. Everyone that tithes can't afford to. Is anybody paying attention to this? Everyone that tithes can't afford to. But everyone that doesn't tithe can't afford to. Maybe we should tithe. All right. Here's what I want, I, want you to, I want you to see something here. There were 10 that were cleansed, but something really special takes place. The one that comes back and gives thanks, okay, the 10 went and they were cleansed as they went. They were healed as they went, but the one that came back, Jesus spoke to him and says, your faith has made you whole. So nine were cleansed, one was made whole. Are you with me today? I want, you, I want you to think about this. This disease, leprosy, was one of those diseases that was very obvious if you had it. Because the longer you had it, the more body parts you'd have missing. Okay? It's, it's one of those skin diseases that would actually cause certain parts of your body to decay and fall off. So chances are these nine lepers were missing pieces of their body, like missing fingers and maybe part of their nose, earlobe missing, you know, um, um, thumbs gone. Maybe, a, maybe one of their pinky toes was gone. And so when they came to Christ, he healed them. He cleansed them, so when they showed themselves to the priest, there was evidence that the leprosy was no longer active, but they still had to deal with all of the results of leprosy. The one returns to God, and he gives thanks, and, he, and Jesus looks at him and says, your faith has made you whole. No longer are you going to be missing fingers. And so here you can just picture this leper that returned to God to give thanks, and he had four fingers, and he looks, and he's like, I've got five fingers. He feels his earlobe and says, I can drop an earring in there again. Wow, this is crazy. All of a sudden, I've been made whole. You see, how do you know when you've, you've been made whole? I'll tell you how. You'll be giving thanks. How do you know if you're whole? You'll be giving thanks. You, you may be walking through the most difficult time of your life. You may have walked through the most difficult year of your life. You may have faced the most brutal challenges. Maybe you've lost your source of income. You may be fighting with your wife on the verge of signing divorce papers. Maybe you've gotten a negative report from the doctor. This man with leprosy encounters Jesus. He's cleansed as he went, but listen, he comes back, he gives thanks, and he's made whole. There's something 
something about giving God thanks in the midst of a crisis. There's something about giving God thanks in the midst of a storm. My son, my daughter may be away from the Lord, but I'm still thanking God because today I'm saved and all my children shall be taught of the Lord. My daughter will adorn the temple. Each one of them will serve the most high. I thank God he's not giving up on me. Philippians 1, 6 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That means if your story's not good, it's not over. Come on, if, if what you see doesn't look like what God said, don't give up because it's not done yet. I give thanks to God because he never leaves me or forsake me. I give thanks to God because he's with me even through the dark hours. Listen, if you want to stick it to the devil, just thank God in the midst of your crisis. Satan's trying to hurl waves and wind and lightning and storm. Just thank God in the middle of that tornado. Just stand up and begin to give God praise in the middle of that flood or that fire or that trial or that drought. Because as soon as you begin to thank God and praise God, something begins to happen. You begin to be made whole. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. You ever think about it like this? God lives in a gated community. He lives in a gated community. What's the code? How do you get in? You get in with thanksgiving. There's protection. There's provision. There's healing inside the gates. Are you, are you hearing me today? How do we get into the gates? We get into the gates with thanksgiving. And let me tell you something. How, what's next? That's not, he doesn't, doesn't want to just let us into the gates. Come on, worship team. He wants, to, he wants us to get into his courts. I'm not satisfied with just getting through the gate. I want to jump into the courts. How do we enter his courts? We enter his courts with praise. Listen, if you want to get a breakthrough in your life, come on, you turn your thankfulness into praise. You wonder, why is Pastor Adam up there every Sunday playing air drums and doing all this stuff? Let me tell you something. It's not because I feel like it. I go through tough times too, but I recognize I'm so grateful for what the Lord's done in my life. I'm going to turn this Thanksgiving into praise in the middle of my trial, in the middle of my circumstances. He's still worthy. He says you enter his courts with praise. I want to be in the court of the Lord. I want God to be the judge because let me tell you something. Anytime God's the judge, all of the outcome will be right. Because flowing from his throne is justice and righteousness. Come on, that's what I want to be a part of. I want to experience the justice and righteousness of God. And so that's why in this trial or in this sickness or in this season, I'm going to turn my thanksgiving into praise because he deserves it. Jesus is front and center. He's front and center. You're going to see that at this church. It's constant. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus. We talk about the name of Jesus. We celebrate the name of Jesus. Jesus is front and center. There's a worship album coming out March 17th, and the whole point of it is to lift up the name of Jesus. Today, behind our, our, in the E-Kids building, there's curriculum that's being taught to our kids. It's centered around Jesus. This ministry is built on Jesus, not on a pastor, not on a personality. When someone gives their life to Christ, we give them a book, and it's called Following Jesus. Why? Because we want to help them in their relationship with God, not to look to a man, not to look to a church, not to look to a behavior, 
or a mind and a thought. We look to Jesus. He's the one that sets us free. We have altar services like we'll have here this morning, inviting people to come and meet Jesus. On the Friday before Easter, we're gonna be packing in the amphitheater on Good Friday, celebrating what Jesus did. Over and over and over again, you're gonna find here at Elevate Ministries, we look for opportunities to lift up the name of Jesus. And the reason is, is because Jesus is front and center. He's the priority of everything that we do. And when you encounter Jesus, you also encounter his word. Because God, Jesus doesn't wanna leave you the way he found you, but he wants to transform your life. How does he do that? Through his word. When we obey what God says, we can't stay the same. It, it is impossible. When we obey God's word, it changes our lives. I'm living proof of that. You can look around this room today. There's so many people in this room that have experienced the transformational power of Jesus. I, 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 there's so many testimonies in this room of people that tried certain things. They went to counseling. They, they went to program after program after program. They listened to speakers and self-help and read books. They went to doctors, still left searching, still trying to figure it out, still in the same mess. But then they encountered Jesus. Man, when I encountered Christ, literally, I was a young kid, but I had made up, I had dug a hole, like I had made a mess. I was embarrassed of myself. My parents were embarrassed of me. I came to Christ, man, and I basically said, God, I've been trying to please everyone, every, every person that I'm with. So with this group, I'm this way, with this group, I'm this way, and it's just led me down this tunnel. And I, I'm, I'm honest, I was lost. I, I could put a good front at church, but I wasn't living. I, I had no relationship with God, and, and my decisions were driving my life down. But then I encountered Christ. And I'm telling you, honestly, you look from the, the day I, I made a decision to serve God, from that day forward, my life changed, like in obvious ways. That's what Jesus does. And so it's not how you come to him. We come to Jesus. We don't have to clean ourselves up to come to Christ. He takes us just the way we are. Matter of fact, he, he likes us that way. Let me take your sin. Let me take your shame. Let me take your guilt. That's, that's, the, that's the whole purpose of Christ. And then he takes that and he exchanges it with his righteousness. And all of a sudden there's a new life inside of you. There's a spirit that's living in you and it's, it's challenging you to move forward in certain areas of your life. And let me tell you something, when you're obedient to that word, that voice from God, transformation takes place. Maybe you're here today and you say, I want, to, I want Jesus to be front and center in my life. I, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. Fix things on my own. I'm a fixer. I'm trying to fix. Listen, I'm tired of trying. I, I realize I can't do it. I can't fix it enough. Maybe you're here and say, I want to make Jesus front and center in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand all over this place. Anyone at all. Anyone at all on this Sunday. On this Sunday, just 
right here, March 19th, 2023. I'm, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. If that's you all over this room, just lift your hand. Anyone at all, anyone at all, all the way in the back. Thank you for your hand. God's going to touch you today. You're never going to be the same. Welcome to the family of God. We're so excited for you. Anyone else, you join this one on this individual. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on. The Spirit of God is here to touch someone. He's here to change someone. Anyone at all, you'd say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. Come on. Side to side, front to back, anyone at all. Amen. Right back here. Thank you for that hand. God bless you. God's going to touch you. Welcome to the family of God. We're so excited for you. We really are. Anyone else? Anyone else? You join these two honest people and say, you know, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make Jesus front and center. I'm, I'm tired of making myself center, front, front and center. It's not getting me anywhere. I want to give Jesus my life. Anyone at all, anyone else, all over this room. One more, one, just a few seconds longer. I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Those of you that raise your hands all the way in the back, do me a favor. Stand to your feet and come here. We'll pray with you. We're going to pray together. Come on. All the way in the back, right here, right there. Yeah, come on down. Amen. Come on down. Come on. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause? Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on, Brim, would you sing that song, Jesus Only You? Just lift it up, okay? Jesus. Stand and worship God. Come on. Oh.